yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday, and that means it's time for the Wrestling Inc. Monday Night Raw after show. And have we got a show for you? Shinsuke Nakamura spitting all over the place. Becky Lynch is running it back against the face breaker, and CM Punk has signed to Monday Night Raw. But before we get into all of the news and notes, folks. I'm Jack Farmer being joined by Jimmy Corderas and Justin Labar. Jimmy, we'll start with you, old pal. How oh. are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I thought uh, we had a fun night and lots to talk about. So uh, looking forward to tonight's episode, getting Triple J back together again. Back and better than ever, as a great theme song once said. Justin, before we went live, you were telling me about how you are clenching a playoff spot. I'm in a three-way tie for one of the last playoff spots. I went into this uh, with my matchup. I went into tonight with one player playing. That was the running back for the Dolphins. My opponent's one player, the quarterback for the Green Bay. I had an 18% chance to win the matchup because they figured by based upon the points they projected. But because Jordan Love sucked tonight, <laughs> because Mostert from Miami just scored a touchdown, I have 99% locked it up, baby. Uh, what man, a, that, what uh, a comeback story. What a... What a hero story. I mean, they, I feel like we spend so much time talking about guys like Rudy when really we should be talking about Justin Labar's fantasy football team, <laughs> what, what they were able to accomplish this year. Do you, you believe my, in miracles? Do you want to know what my team name is? What's your team name? Justin Credible. Love it. Justin Credible. Wow. I, my team, as I was saying before we went on the air, stunk this week, but my opponent's team stunk worse, so I got the win, and that's all that matters. <laughs> You're the best of the worst. Hey, that's all. As long as we get the dubs, baby, that's all yeah. we care about. Um, <laughs> let's chat some news. Uh, before we do, though, everyone who's in the chat, make sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. You know, I'm going to start reading out some of these a little bit more often. You know, we, we get super chats, but I feel like we're just going to throw, I'm going to throw out things like Gigi saying uh, she's lurking. Like, let's give her a shout out. And, and, and you know, Baxter saying yo. So we're going to, I'm going to be shouting out some of you guys a little bit more. So, if you want to chat, feel free to hop in the chat. Let us know what you think. Uh, I would say my tip is, though, make sure you chat about what we're talking about. Because if if we're talking about the main event and you ask a question about the opening segment, probably not going to get read out. But if you, say, if you have a good question, I'll read it out. Let's talk about the news, though. Let's say some news stuff. First, big news in AEW. Uh, Kevin Sullivan's firing has ruffled some feathers and... Just to make sure everyone knows, this is not the wrestler, Kevin Sullivan. This is the post-production uh, executive producer, Kevin Sullivan, that was let go. On uh, Wrestling Observer Radio, Meltzer said, Sullivan's fire has been met with unanimous negative reaction behind the curtain. He added that Sullivan was popular among the talent and the production staff. People who work for AW believe that Sullivan was, quote, the best at doing his job, which included creating video packages and vignettes, as well as piecing together content for YouTube. Meltzer noted last week that Sullivan was responsible for building AEW's entire post-production team. Uh, Jimmy, this is something I've never really thought about before, but obviously the post-production team is a huge part of a pro wrestling company. In WWE, did you have a lot of interaction with them? Did you know who they were, or was that totally separate? Well, the post-production team is, uh, you know, the people in the truck, you know, Kevin Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan, uh, uh, Kevin Dunn, yeah. <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Dunn, of course, the most famous name uh, there. And these guys are very important for putting the finished product out there and getting people interested in what they're watching. You know, you know, everybody says that I tend to put WWE over a little bit too much here, but one of the things they do very well is their post-production video packages, 
that they get uh, that they do and they present during the program and sometimes on the next for for next week and they set it up and and there's a lot of stuff done behind the scenes that people just don't see and Kevin Sullivan is was well liked and and did a heck of a job according to everybody there so they don't understand the exactly what happened here why he is no longer with the company uh whether it was something personal whether it was something work related nobody knows that's the question you know and and, it, and it's terrible to see anybody lose their job but this one's under strange circumstances because his work has been exceptional especially as far as the talent goes they and all the people behind the scenes really liked his work so they don't understand it so how can i <laughs> yeah justin this is i mean it's weird to hear something like the a post-production person getting let go but then also frankly it's weird to hear so many people step up for a post-production person at the same time uh what's your takeaway on this it does feel kind of yeah and it seems like it's bad timing you know so the way that we understand the story was that um it, it was not tony khan who made the decision it was just that tony khan didn't veto the decision to have sullivan um you know, let go and yeah it's you know, like, like like you guys outlined it seems like he's a pretty popular person amongst the company so you know at the time right now where there's a lot of questions swirling around aew qt marshall saying that he's leaving and that the company is going a different direction than what it, where it used to be and um you know obviously with punk being gone now arriving in WWE, and it looks like WWE, at least on the early going it's just making the most out of this and you know all the other different pieces of drama that we've heard going on with AEW. It, it, may, it makes it, it, it amplifies the release of a production person that much more. And, you know, one thing I want to know that in the wrestling Inc. story about this, if you read it, this is what just part of this final paragraph um, about how uh, you know, Sullivan was allegedly told that AEW was going in a different direction, which is consistent with QT Marshall's decision to lead the promotion. Marshall, who works as an on-screen talent and wears many hats behind the scenes, mentioned that the company has changed a lot since 2019 and is headed in a different direction when he announced on social media that he was departing AEW. According to reports, this is the according to reports, AEW is going to start prioritizing in-ring action similar to New Japan Pro Wrestling over storylines and angles. And when I hear that, I just I can again I cannot based upon what have you seen of, of, of professional wrestling in the United States of America, based upon what does that formula prove that it's going to increase your viewership and then by that, by turn dollars that, so that, that, that the Sullivan aspect along with this different direction that we now keep hearing about is just a head scratcher. Jimmy, is there something, cause it, it does seem that, Historically speaking, the entertainment side of sports entertainment is really what drives uh, people to to follow a different wrestling company. But a lot of people say AEW has to find something to differentiate themselves. Is that fair to be like, hey, it's it's different? Well, you can do different forms of entertainment. And one of the things is when you talk about the, the New Japan uh, model, for example, that that caters exactly it to the United States hardcore wrestling fan and they're already bought into the product. They're not, they're the target audience of AEW. You have to target a broader audience, so you have to be a little more diverse. And yes, you can have your wrestling matches that cater to that audience, but you also have to have a variety. It's almost like a variety show, you mm -hmm. know, where you have 
you have your segment with a, a little drama segment. You have a comedy segment. You have a song and dance uh, deal. Wrestling is the same thing. You have to have a little something for everybody to keep the uh, the audience growing, if you can, as best you can. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that WWE still does to this day is they're very diverse. You get good matches, but you get some entertaining segments. You get the laugh sometimes. And they also get you going, oh. You know, yeah. And, yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully Kevin Sullivan lands on his feet. It sounds like he's well-liked and he seems talented. So I would imagine he'll land on his feet. But, you know, uh, best of luck to him. That's always tough news to hear, especially close to the holidays. Um, we move on and WWE reaches a settlement with MLW over antitrust allegations. Uh, just about two years ago, MLW initially filed its antitrust lawsuit against WWE in its litigation, MLW alleged that WWE had pressured third parties into abandoning deals with MLW, most notably Vice TV and Tubi. But after all the legal rambling, things look to be headed for a settlement of some sort. Per WrestleNomics, MLW and WWE have come to terms on a settlement with both parties, uh, uh, with both parties filed for the agreement today. Uh, according to the documentation, both sides were, quote, in the process of completing the final settlement documents should all go well, both MLW and WWE uh, file dismissal papers within the next 30 days, officially ending the lawsuit. Um, so Justin, this is one of those things where um, it's settlements are always interesting. You know, you never know if one side's admitting something or if one side just saying, look, it's not worth our time anymore. Um, anything to take away from this lawsuit. Well, yeah, it's those questions. You know, WWE has a pretty good uh, win-loss record when it comes to litigation. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's involved in this one, but Jerry McDivitt's uh, got, you know, he's a Pittsburgh-based lawyer. He's got a lot of dubs. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, most famously, Vince beating the uh, United States government on the steroid trial. You know, they've had class action lawsuits brought against them from wrestlers claiming, um, you, know, you know, injuries and such in life. And that's, you know, that stuff's been dismissed. And, you know, so, yeah, but you're right. A settlement, you know, the WWE being the defendants in this case. So them decide, them agreeing to settle, oftentimes that's get interpreted by people that, uh, you know, it, it's an unofficial admittance of, of guilt or, or that they're going to be beaten. That could be the case. But also this, you know, this is the first, I believe, the first uh, piece of litigation that's that was that was that was going to go to court, or that was in court rather, uh, since WWE is now owned by TKO, by since then since the merger with Endeavor. So it's, it is possible that that this, that there's a different different strategy where. You know, Vince and Vince might stand up in the boardroom and say, "Oh my God, Jerry, we 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 have the most best lawyers. We can win this." He might have got out. Who knows? The, the, the TKO model might be: we're not wasting. Even if we are, even if we know we're in the right, we're not wasting the time, the money, or the bad PR to to be in court for this. Let's just settle it. it, it you know, whatever price they settle on, you know, that's that's worth more than 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 all the other things I just mentioned. So it, it is hard to say. Uh, but I did find it interesting the WWE settling because that's not something that you commonly. I mean, I, I know they did settle with Martha Hart, I believe out of court back in the day as related to the, the tragic death of Owen. So, I mean, it's been done, but you know, in this situation, I, I, I was a little surprised when I saw the headline that the, the settlement is, is apparently what's going to be the outcome here. Yeah. Jimmy, this is a, um, it, I like, I like how Justin brought up the TKO merger. Cause it also makes me think, you know, this is an antitrust lawsuit. And when you're the biggest fighting company 
in the world merging with the biggest wrestling company in the world and everyone's looking at what this new thing is is it a monopoly or whatever the case may be i'd imagine if you're one of the shareholders are saying let's just hush all this now before we start having people look into what kind of business we have if that makes sense no, it does make sense. And and I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that they don't want to, under the new ownership here, as, as Justin alluded to, don't want to have to deal with past issues. So the further, the quicker we get past this, you know, the quicker we can move on and get to the business of conducting our business, so to speak. <laughs> Not to sound very repetitious yeah. there, but yeah. uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. But uh, again, the other problem is, with wrestling fans, perception sometimes is reality. And by uh, coming to terms and saying you're settling does in a lot of people's minds uh, assume guilt. Mm -hmm. And, and, but like you said, Justin, I think, uh, uh, I think there may be something there, but at the same time, I think they want to, I want this to go away. And once you get it out of the news, so to speak, people's, you know, memories about certain things, uh, you know, you're watching and you don't go, oh, but remember the time they got sued by so-and-so and they had to come to settlement, you know. I think well, it's, let's move on. Well, and one, I think one other um, possibly, just speculating, but possibly relevant factor is that this this whole case, this whole uh, settled around, you know, WWE, you know, allegedly, you know, getting getting in the way of other distribution, you know, of Vice, of Tubi, of other of other uh distribution for mlw well what do we know that wb is doing right this moment we know that they are apparently in the final go home stages to try to secure the next distribution home for monday night raw so that also might be a bad look even again even if they think hey we can win this but this might drain the next 12 18 months in the legal system to get it done and we need to and and and, and, and in that time frame we have to have raw moved in sometime in 2024 or the fall of 2024 that might have been another strategy too where it's like you know what we just gotta settle it yeah. Write them a check. We can't have this be the one thing that's stopping our potential new billion-dollar deal for Raw because it's a bad, uh, a bad look in the in, in the in the TV industry. I mean, I think that's another thing just to throw out there. Again, that's all speculation on my part, but I think it could be a relevant factor. Mm -hmm. uh, something that they are also uh, looking to tie up, hopefully, I'd assume, is Seth Rollins' contract. It's uh, been reported. Fightful Select is reporting that. Rollins' contract with WWE is set to expire in June of next year. As it stands, there have reportedly been no conversations about extending his contract. Still, Rollins is well-liked and respected by management, and the report notes that an offer will obviously be made sometime between now and June, as the company sees Rollins as a priority. Fightful says Rollins has not responded to a request for comment. Uh, Jimmy, this is uh, I feel like we said the same thing about Drew McIntyre a little bit ago. I, I guess his is still ongoing, but... I feel like this is a long ways away out for them to start talking about a new contract, but it like how do and do you know how far in advance they usually start having these conversations? Is this? It, I mean, clearly it's news, but is it like real news? Like he's going to get resigned, right? Well, you would assume. Again, you don't want to assume, but at the same time, uh, you know, with that other player now, someone with big money, you're going to uh, here's that word again. Assume that they're going to make a play. For someone like a Seth Rollins, because we see we've seen guys uh, or, or talent come from AEW and move over to WWE that made people go, "Ooh, that's a that's a big deal." You know, Cody. Mm -hmm. You know, just, we, we, you know, obviously CM Punk, and uh, also Jade, for example, and and the deal they're making now with her and making it making it seem like such a big deal. Someone to the 
stature, let's say, of a Seth Rollins going the other way is a big, again, perception thing with the audience, with the fans going, wow, someone, I, I, I could never have pictured Seth Rollins going that way. So uh, I think it would be in WWE's best interest to keep him happy and keep him keep him aboard. Mm -hmm. And I don't see him going elsewhere unless it's just, a, you know, a, a money thing where they just say, hey, offer him so much where he says, I can't turn it down. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I, if I was a betting man, Justin, I would say Rollins is going to stay with WWE. That said, if I said, I said, if I was a betting man, uh, CM Punk's not going to be in WWE and uh, Cody Rhodes isn't going, I mean, there's a lot of things I'd say. If I was a betting man, I don't think this would happen. And it did. Is, I mean, anything's possible, but like, if, if you were a betting man, Justin, what are the odds are Seth Rollins ends up in AEW? I think today the odds are pretty strong that he remains with WWE. Uh, but but keep in mind, the last time that he signed a new WWE contract, I believe, was in 2019. So AEW is just getting ready to start. And so your lay of the land of competition, if you're WWE, is, well... You know, okay, is the guy going to pick up and go to Japan in terms in terms of in terms of where else can he make comparable money to what we're paying him? Is he going to go to Japan? Well, if he's got his soon to be wife and they want to have a family, well, do they want to? You know, is that going to happen? And he's not going to make that kind of money in TNA and you know, you know. But now that you do have AEW around and, and AEW is proven that they can pay people serious money, comparable if not more than uh, WWE pays some people. You know, it, it, six months is never too early to start negotiations. Uh, and hopefully they started, hopefully, you know, it, it's never too early when it's your world champion. When it's one of your world champions is your world champion. That's more active in terms of uh, matches and, and appearances. Uh, so I think, you know, yeah, he'll, they'll probably get something done, but also six months is not too early when you consider the fact that, you know, his contract's going to expire then two months, basically after WrestleMania. So you need to know, do we have him locked up long-term or is he potentially on his way out? Because that obviously is going to dictate and it could alter the way that you book him on the road to Mania and you book him at WrestleMania. Also, we don't know the level of it, and I don't need to know the level of it because we saw some magic later on that we'll talk about, but there's a lot of speculation. What is the real fit? Is this been one big elaborate work that Seth Rollins and CM Punk have kind of concocted over the years or, or over the recent weeks at least since Punk's return? Is there still some things that need to hash out where it's like, look, I don't like you, you don't like me, but let's trust each other and go make some money? You know, and so I say all that because depending on it, how real the situation is or isn't, you might want to lock Seth Rollins up now and get the ink on paper before, let's say, two, three, four months down the road. He goes, this isn't working. I'm not liking work. If, if, if things go awry, which we've heard has happened before, you know, mm -hmm. involving punk. And then he go, you know what? Three months ago, guys, I was ready to sign a contract. Now I don't want to resign with you guys or or, or now. Because I'm pissed off. I have leverage of I want X, I want this much more money. So I think the sooner the better that they can get ink to paper and lock Seth Rollins up long term. Uh, that will just benefit everything that I just outlined, but especially when you have mania around the corner here. Yeah, I this is again one of the reasons why I'm so glad there is another big company in wrestling is Seth Rollins probably gonna make a ton of money one way or the other, you know. And uh, I think I saw I saw Becky Lynch. I think her contract's coming up too, but it wasn't in the initial report, so I don't want to speak out of turn. But she's probably gonna make a whole lot of money, also. I, I, I like I, people I, make I money. I, I thought I heard hers was up the same time as his. Maybe, which, yeah. Which all, all the right. more, all the more, all the more leverage the 
the uh, household that, that they run has. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, they're going to make so much money. And so I'm, I'm happy for them because they work hard and they deserve it. Uh, I also saw in the chat uh, and I should have saved it. Uh, someone had mentioned, I don't know if you guys saw uh, MJF got a picture with John Cena at the iron claw premiere, mm-hmm. which is probably going to be very popular, uh, a popular photo passed around. Uh, well played by MJF, by the way, to do that. Um, That's not going to get taken yeah. out of context. Oh, no. Not at all. No. <laughs> I was going to say MJF to Peacemaker 2 confirmed. <laughs> I, no, he's just, he knows how to create conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And uh, so that, that was really fun. But uh, for now, let's before we get into the show, as always... Everyone who's in the chat, thanks for being here. If you're lurking, thanks for being here. Make sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, five-star review, all that good stuff. Uh, with your Jorge, Beer Money, MDB, Armando, Ecky Boy. Ecky, I haven't seen you before, Ecky Boy. Reaper Brink, Adam Staples, Beer Money, Tuck Graf, uh, Manish, all the way from India. Good to see you, uh, Manish and Mr. Meowpuss, Stephen Camp, and everyone else. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Kenny, the young lurker here in the chat, thanks for, thanks for being here. Let's chat a little bit about what happened on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Jay Uso comes out and says that he's glad to have Yeet back. And uh, he's sad to hear about Sammy being out. Jay mentions Drew. So Drew comes out. Drew takes a shot at Punk and then apologizes to Sammy to show Jay how it's done before we get the match going. Drew controls most of it, but uses the thumb in the eye to get the edge and get the win. Um Jimmy, uh, the, the line I loved here was from Michael Cole, and he said multiple times, this is not the Drew McIntyre I know. Uh, my question for you is just overall, do you like a good guy, Drew McIntyre, or do you like a bad guy, Drew McIntyre? I, I think right now I'm liking bad guy, Drew McIntyre. And it's it fits him because it's believable. Because sometimes you're, you, you watch someone and you go, oh, look, he's – He's playing the heel in this match. When I'm watching Drew in the match, I'm going, Drew's the heel in this match. It's, mm-hmm. it, there's a difference there. You can see he's into it, and he's really putting all his uh, focus and energy into being that heel, that dislikable heel. And you hear it from the audience. They're, they're not liking it, and I think it's working for him. Yeah, as uh, Dustin in the chat says, Drew is such a good heel. I think he's he's awesome. And Ethan Cruz, uh, Drew was amazing on the mic. Just feels so natural as a uh, as a heel in this situation but, and and, and oh. the, really quickly because you said it on the mic sorry to cut you off there Jim. yeah but what heels do is they take truth and kind of not give it to you like you know with both barrels mm-hmm. well actually with both barrels but one of the barrels is kind of uh exaggerated so yeah. to speak They're giving you truth but the truth is a little bit you know fun. with the heel with the heel spin Yes, yeah. there you go. It, it was definitely, yeah, he was saying a lot of stuff that like, he's kind of right. Like he's kind of making good points. Uh, but Justin, my question for you here, I want your thoughts on uh, Drew McIntyre. And I feel like he's just gotten so much better over the past few months. But um, this match, it doesn't feel like the end of what's going on between these two. But are you still interested in seeing more from these two, if that makes sense? Um, Yeah, I am. Like, I... Drew is, I mean, I love Drew as a heel. I mean, he's just got the size and look, that, and then, they, you, know, you know, he can be a menacing heel, a very, very dangerous looking heel. And then, you know, Jay Uso is, I never thought that the that an Uso twin 
the, both of them, but especially Jay, that he just emerged as being such a single star. He truly does feel like a, a main event top player. And so just because he's so over as a face and Drew is getting such good heel reactions, um, in a day and age where sometimes you get such blurred lines with the audience, the fact that they're all pretty much in favor of booing him, boo, booing Drew and cheering Jay, I don't mind seeing more of them, and they work well in the ring together. Um, that said, I just <laughs> poor Drew McIntyre. You know, he he Rumble 2020. You know, he eliminates Brock Lesnar and all that, and like you know, and it, it had the moment. All right, it's like all right, we're gonna get the Drew McIntyre. He's gonna be the next big baby face. It's gonna be the run, and then of course he ends up being you know our, our COVID Thunderdome champion. Uh, never truly gets you know, the honest run that he deserves. And then now as a heel, he's hitting all cylinders as a heel, but the space is so crowded in WWE right now that I don't see any realistic path of him actually taking a title at this time of the year in the calendar with given how packed it is. And what, and so I just kind of feel bad for him that he's, it's of no fault of his, he's doing all the right things, whether he's, you know, being asked to be a face or heel, but I'm just, I don't believe it's going to result in him getting the top prize. He's just going to always come up one match short. Yeah, it's, it, it, I was talking to my buddy about this uh, while I was watching the show is like the, the WWE is so top heavy right now. They have so many people who are like world title people that even if you're one of the very best, it's like, huh, I mean, sorry, just might not be in the cards for you. It's 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 a good problem to have, but it's like, geez. Yeah, I do want also. I do want to point out though in this match is one thing, and I tweeted about it, and because yeah. we have a referee, I yeah. can't I can't not bring it up. The, the match was pretty good, except for I cannot stand the the so the ref spot they do towards the end. Mm -hmm. So McIntyre rips the top turnbuckle pad off in order to then initiate the ref's attention to go to that, and the referee goes, picks up the deal, kind of looks at it, examines, kind of faints attempt and put him out oh, i can't get the thing like does all this but it was just enough time for uh for drew i think i think drew low blowed jay i think is what, what he did so he does the cheating uh, with the respect and right. the rest like eh, well this is the turnbuckle pad and then he, and then he turned i don't it's just the whole the whole way if you go back and watch the execution of it and then how it i just i was like we could have done better. Why do why do we do it that way? It just it, it made it, it, it i i felt myself laughing and i'm like this was not supposed to be a comedy spot. Yeah right I, you know what I think it might be too is because uh, I, I agree with you on that. I feel like Drew isn't what I, I don't think of him as the conniving guy. I feel like he's the do what I have to do guy. So I feel like he would stick his thumb in someone's eye because that's what a, a tough fighter would do, but not like I'm going to do this trickery to trick the ref, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I can see him doing like a low blow or something, but like the stuff he was doing was like the Miz would do, you know? Right. No, I understand what you're saying, but at, at the same time, I like the idea that they were going for, and I like the simplicity of making it look like a vicious, uh, you know, attack on the eyes as opposed to a, hey, there's a thumb in the eye, you know, that sort of thing. It looked like he was really going in there. But like like Justin said, the referee, in my opinion, you know, obviously easy to Monday, Monday night quarterback, Monday night quarterback. <laughs> yeah. here is – you know, he sees the turnbuckles off, pick it up, pick up the, the, the string or the rope that was with it, uh, appear to look like you're trying to put it on <laughs> until the actual deal happens behind you. You do have an earpiece, you know, have someone like the producer tell you when the deal is done. And he could still manage to try look like he's trying to put it on 
And as he looks behind, he sees the Claymore kick. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, ah, you know, and has to decide to make the count as opposed to, oh, this thing ain't going on. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the impression, Jimmy. That caught me off guard. Uh, <laughs> but that's how it felt. It felt like, yeah. oh, well, yeah, I can't get this on. What the heck? <laughs> he looked like he looked like a he looked like a husband who was just asked to go build something, build the kids a new Christmas present. And he went to him and goes, mm. Yeah. <laughs> just, no, the kids, I gotta, the kids are playing with something else anyways yeah, uh, I, oh, and i gotta read the no instructions good. too oh <laughs> this is supposed to be the kid's job not mine right. Right. <laughs> uh we got a uh bernie dc saying uh mania is going to be insane with all that talent justin has been consistent on busted open talking about how deep wwe is don't need any legends coming back to have a huge mania uh, just reminded everyone check out just on Boston Open Radio every okay. Sunday. And, and really, just uh, a real quick thing: you may not need any legends, but it's WrestleMania. It's nice to have them. Oh, they'll be there. Oh yeah, they'll be there. Uh, maybe just playing poker in the back, but they'll be sure. there <laughs> uh, with the APA. With yeah, the APA. that would be awesome. Um, but so you have to go through the door. Remember that you have to go through the door. Uh, so speaking of guys who have their own places backstage, uh, Judgment Day, they're uh, think. They're having some some tough times in Judgment Day. They're arguing over who the who's in who's the leader. They're arguing over um, what's going on with who's at what shows. Uh, while at the same time, Alpha Academy and the Creed Brothers are having fun and trying to tell our truth that he's not actually in the Judgment Day. Uh, later on, Maxine Dupree and Rhea Ripley have a match, and it's about as one sided as. <laughs> You would imagine it's going to be, but we do get a post-match stare down between Ivy Nile and Rhea Ripley. Um, before we get into the big uh, promo from Judgment Day later, Justin, um, Judgment Day, I, I've been a fan of theirs for a while. I do think they've been used a little more than they should be uh, at times, but I don't know. I feel like them doing the R-Truth stuff, is it getting a little too silly for them Who's for a group that's supposed to be taken seriously i think we're trying to run the clock out i think there's a i think there's a date circled on the calendar of when creative knows this is going to be the implosion of judgment day you know we're getting closer and closer to you know the the, the tonight would certainly feel like the most amped up with Rhea and damian getting each other's faces and so it feels like we're on the home stretch Uh, i do think little things with the r truth again it's it's just a few a few plays to keep the clock running uh you know you know we still have a, a, a you know there's no premium live event until rumble uh, and Rumble certainly would be an ideal event for things to really break down because it's every man for themselves. And you got you could have JD, Finn, and Dom trying to win the Rumble. But of course, you win the Rumble, you go fight champion of Mania. Well, Priest wants to become the champion with his brief. So there's just so many dynamics to play that I think they're just trying to buy a little bit of time. And I think this R True stuff is just, you know, one more thing to buy a little bit of time, but also can, you know, give you a laugh, be entertaining. So, uh, but I, I do think we're finally really getting to or towards the end points. I think Judgment Day has run its course. It is now time to let the dynamics that have been swirling finally and all the seeds that have been planted finally start to all grow and explode. And Rhea, real quick, uh, Rhea, uh, you know, dominant as should be that match was the time length that it should have been. Um, this is the one thing about live TV. You can't unsee things. And um, uh, Maxine just, it, it, it did not look, she did, she did, quite really, she didn't look ready. I, I don't know what, mm-hmm. what. I don't know if there's miscommunications. I don't know if she was nervous. I don't know if it was, you know, all the above. But um, did not, did not, not the best showing there for Maxine Dupree. 
Yeah, I don't know, uh, Jimmy, if they let if they put Maxine in the best position to be successful in this situation. No, it did. It didn't work out, and I and I and I don't want people to think, well, it's got to be smooth and clean and and looks, you know, uh, flawless. It's okay for things not to come off, you know, one hundred percent precise. Let's put it that way. But this just looked like it was completely off. They were on different channels. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. So uh, it did nothing to enhance Mac- Maxine Dupree's, uh, I think, stature with her with with her higher ups watching her going, oh, shoot, maybe we could put her in this situation. I think this is was a step backwards for her. And as good as Rhea is, as helping getting talent over, she did her best. But at the same time, not even as good as she is, she she didn't wasn't able to help her. Jimmy, I want to kind of double back on this because uh, you've been in the ring with a lot of people. You've been in the ring with a lot of people who are newer to wrestling. And look, Maxine Dupree's newer to wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. Is there something to maybe things didn't start off well and then it became hard for her to get back in? If that makes like, you know, sometimes when you're new at something, you mess up and then like you're kind of second guessing everything you do. Do you think? Do you think maybe something like that happened in this case? <laughs> Yeah, that, that very much could happen because like like you said, when you haven't had the repetitions, you haven't had the in-ring time, one little thing is off. Like when she went to pick her up and do the, uh, I guess it looked yeah. like the powerbomb kind of position thing. Yeah. Uh, the first one, the first time she tried to do it, it, it didn't work. And right mm-hmm. there, you could tell that Maxine from there on, it, it just went downhill. So yeah. the, uh, unfortunately, if you don't get your reps in, especially now when they don't do the touring schedule that they used to, because back in the day, all these young talents used to go on the on, on the house show schedules and you'd get, you know, day after day after day, you get your ring time in in front of a crowd. Now it they're back to doing some live events slash house shows, but it's nowhere near what it was before. Yeah, uh, and Justin, I want to say for or ask you about Ivy Nile at the end. So I'm a big Ivy Nile fan. I, I was a big Ivy Nile fan in NXT. Uh, I think she looks the part. She seems like she's vicious and can beat people up. I'm a little worried that they're having her stare down Rhea Ripley already, though, considering we haven't really seen her on Raw. Do you think that, I mean, do you think that this is just sort of, as mentioned, like a time filler for the Royal Rumble? Uh, for Rhea Ripley, or do you think there's going to be something between the two? Do you like the idea of these two pairing up now? Is it too soon for Ivy Nile to be in that spot? I mean, it it's probably some time filler, but I, this is where you, I, I, you know, there's no other woman, and I, and I'm, I'm not forgetting about Becky. There is no other woman right now that is on a level that it, that to me is going to come off as believable to beat Rhea. Mm-hmm. And you know Ivy Nile, yeah. So she's a fresh opponent. Um, so there's something there just from from you know we haven't seen it before, but obviously from just a visual standpoint, obviously size wise, Rhea towers over her. Um, and and I don't you know she she might challenge Rhea and you know and up maybe she challenges her on the January one edition of Raw, which it seems like they're gonna kind of try to build and make you know seem um, seem important. But I nobody no no woman you line up and they're trying they're doing a lot of things with them they're doing a lot of stuff with the women's tag team division you know we're seeing becky and i we're seeing you know more time being given more stories and and and, and creative being put into the women, which is great but Rhea is on a different level and so that is going to be a task for them this coming year assuming that Rhea is going to go to mania again as champion um that i don't i don't know who who stands across from her who who, who you who you build up between now and then 
that is going to be like, all right, this might be the one who's going to beat Rhea Ripley. You know, now that you mentioned that, I'm realizing we may have three champions, if you think Roman Reigns, Gunther, and Rhea Ripley, that are all going to go bell to bell, mania to mania, potentially. Uh, and two of them having the title before mania in the first place. So uh, very, very interesting there. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, Judgment Day come out and cut a promo. Uh, and they're doing their thing when R-Truth comes out and talks about some ideas for the group. Uh, they like like kicking out JD because no one likes him and, and Priest. <laughs> Stop stopping being the boss. Uh, Judgment Day beat him up uh, until the Creed brothers come out and chase off Judgment Day. Uh, to the Ivy Nile point earlier, Jimmy, this definitely seems like a Judgment Day versus Diamond Mine uh, in the making. No, it absolutely does. And, and you, you know, it, that's what that segment actually did. It, did. it got the Creed brothers over huge because, uh, you know, the obviously the commentators did a good job of making people realize that they were outnumbered. Mm-hmm. But they came out to make the save. It was basically a four on two, but they overcame the odds and, and, you know, ended up on top. So they got over with the audience and, and that's the bang thing. And they, and, and they feel like a legitimate threat now. Yep. Uh, Justin, anything else to take away from this segment with judgment day? Just that our truth is one day going to go into the WWE hall of fame. Oh. He is. And, when they make the announcement and they put together as the only WWE production can do, and they put together the, the, the several minute long video showing some great clips and welcoming him into and announcing him as, as a, as a, in the class of whatever year they are going to have so many golden sound bites and clips to choose from. I mean, our truth just, it, I, it, I mean, <laughs> every time he steps on the screen and if, and if you think about Think about the things that think about what it probably says on the piece of paper that he's given. Think about how ridiculously dumb it probably reads when you get handed the paper from a writer and he makes it into his own. He says that as only he could do it. He he puts on a he, he does one little thing that like you know, whether it's the heel click as he steps into the ring after Priest invites him into the ring. Like you know, I, I don't know. I know. I know he hasn't. I don't know the last time he's had a TV match. It's it's been years probably, but it doesn't matter. He's just entertainment gold. And yeah, and really quickly uh, that, that you talk about Hall of Fame, I, the speech is just going to be incredible. He, <laughs> he is the king of zigging when you think he's going to zag. Like even like he steps into the ring with Judgment Day, and I'm just like, what is he going to say? Like because he's so unpredictable and he's funny every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manisha in the chat reminding us that uh, that man made Brock laugh on live TV and what is one of the greatest moments ever. Uh, speaking of Royal Rumble season, uh, before we move on, Stephen Camp says Nikita Lyons is the only one I could see beating Rhea if done right. Uh, Stephen Camp, I know, you know, no disrespect for Nikita Lyons, but she, isn't she just coming back? I mean, yeah. She's got to win a few matches first before we start talking like this, right? She's she's on NXT still. She's got to come up to the main roster before we talk like this. Steven. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, I do. She is somebody, and I think some of this does have to do with physical stature. I think Rhea, you know, that's why it's hard for me with an Ivy Nile or or somebody that has a smaller status. Is I'm just like, uh, I, I, and I know, I know we've seen big man versus little man or you know whatever before, and it, it works. It can happen, but I don't know. I think and, and it's going to take probably it's probably going to take a woman entering in the Rumble and having a a very impressive performance in the Rumble, and and just having uh, an unbelievable, nonstop, unbeatable road to Mania, it's going to take that in order to present something that gives me 
in the audience, like some like, all right, I'm going to watch this match of Mania because this might be the one that Rhea loses. I'm going to, uh, Jimmy, I'm going to give you a choice here. You have uh, um, Nikita Lyons. You've got Liv Morgan. You've mm -hmm. got Jade Car uh, Jade Cargill or Cora Jade. I don't know which one you, Killer Demons, which one do you mean? Cora Jade or Jade Cargill? I'm guessing Jade Cargill. Guess Jade Car um, Jade. Of those names, Jimmy, yeah. you have the pen. Who's facing Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania? I'd say you have uh, Jade be the one. And if you're going to introduce her, introduce her at the Rumble, put her in the match, introduce her as number one, and let her go wire to wire. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, 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 you know, I keep racking my brain sometimes. It, it, it doesn't click in. Has anybody gone wire to wire, been number one, and won the Rumble before? Not in the actually, women's. Actually, I think, didn't Rhea Ripley do that? I think Rhea Ripley actually did that, or she was close to it, right? I think if that she, was last year. I think I think yeah. last year because I remember so, the, 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 I remember the finish being tremendous. The uh, right, yeah. So if Rhea is the one who did it, and then Jade Cargill is the one who Jade comes in and does it, and they face at Mania, two women that went wire to wire, face oh at yeah for the championship. There you go. That that's a good yeah. story there. Um, and uh, uh, Rocky, Sasha Banks, of course, could be awesome, but we don't. That's that's you gotta. You can only play with the cards you're dealt right now. Until she signs a contract, can't uh, can't talk about her. But speaking of signing contracts, what a segue! Adam Pierce comes out and <laughs> invites CM Punk to come out, and CM Punk talks about Cleveland and decides to sign with Monday Night Raw. Cue Seth Rollins. We get a stare down, and Rollins tells Punk to stop calling WWE his home. Says he hates CM Punk. Says that uh, this is Punk's last chance, and he wants to slam the door on him. CM Punk then enters the Royal Rumble. Justin Labar, this was one of my favorite parts of the night. Just for me, I thought this was an incredible moment. Uh, but what say you? Wow. Uh, so much business. Um was done in this you know punk given a history lesson for those fans both who remember it i of course do being here in pittsburgh with his last match of the rumble and then the next night he goes to cleveland he's also given a history lesson for those who are newer fans who are hearing about okay why is this guy controversial he he was here before but now he's back that's a big deal so punk gave some context he gave an apology so again for the fans who have been around you know that's a that's a, that is a thing. CM Punk to give an apology. If, hey, you know, I'm sorry if the way things ended, it was disappointed you as a fan. You know, I'm I'm gonna do better. I'm back home. I'm you know whatever. So there was there was something that just CM Punk had to deal with, just him. And then of course you bring in the Seth Rollins factor. I think that's probably Seth Rollins' best promo I've ever seen him do. Mm -hmm. Not to say that he's only a bad promo. He's not. But I think mm -hmm. I think and I think there's there's a level of again the the stuff swirling around this. Do they actually really hate each other? What? What? And, and I don't. I don't need to know. They don't. Neither of them need to call and tell me the real thing. I'm happy just going along for the ride. And mm -hmm. I think that, of course, helped in this. That helped in this entire thing. And you know, Rollins, his words that he chose. You're either gonna be around here just long enough that you're gonna expose yourself, or you're gonna be around just long enough to where you might get to challenge me, and then I'm gonna expose you. And how I, or how Eric, I'm gonna expose you and how you are not the best in the world. That's me. I, it just tremendous stuff. This is exactly what it needed to be. They left us with, they gave us just enough, but they left us with much more on the table still to come. That was well done.
Yeah. Yeah. I always say there's when they do the uh, based on real life stuff, sometimes it makes me feel icky. Sometimes it's great. This is one of those ones where it's great. I'm like, I love this. This feels good. I want to see him mm -hmm. fight now. Uh, Jimmy, uh, this, I thought this was really done very, very well. Um, let me ask you this. I thought it was interesting because listening to the crowd, because it actually felt like it was split. But then I think the singing at the initial stare down of S Seth Rollins' song took over. But then in the end, it was CM Punk chants. Uh, how do you think the fans are going to fall in this one? It's going to be, it's, they are going to be split because, uh, A, you know, fans are into chanting the Seth Rollins theme. That's that's mm -hmm. what they do. But CM Punk is moving a needle right now and he is connecting with this audience, uh, especially with the, the use of language in his promos that he's, you know, back home. He's mm -hmm. here and he loves the fans and he talks so much about, you know, that side of it about how much they mean to him so mm -hmm. he's drawing the fans in whether this is a big uh you know as they call it swerve ready to happen and punk uh i don't want to say that he becomes the old cm punk that people uh disliked back in the day but at least portrays that version of cm punk because it, it, you know uh look at it look at it this way you know as, as Justin said, we hear the rumors of whether these two really do like each other. And if they don't like each other, at least they're smart enough to know that, hey, we're in this business to do business. And there's this there's dollar signs written all over this. Justin, this was a question posed to me by fellow Wrestling Inc. Uh, correspondent, uh, host, whatever, uh, Flobo Voice asked me. I'm going to ask you now. Is it too soon to do CM Punk versus Seth Rollins? Uh, if you're talking about like next week like, or something, yeah. <laughs> but, but but no, I think I think I don't think this match happens till Mania. Mm -hmm. I, I think had they not had 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 we gone all the way to Punk entering the Rumble, let's say win the Rumble. And then the next night declares it's going to be him. And so if like if like the night after Rumble would have been the first time that we saw Seth and Punk, I think the crowd. I think I think the crowd has been wanting this. It would it, it you know that would have been too much time. What does Punk do? You know I I think this was smart. It's you address the elephant in the room, which is these two guys who have had words for each other in the past. So you address the elephant in the room, and yes, yeah, Seth dominated more of this, but that's what it was supposed to be. And Punk even said it. Punk said. There's your one pass. There's your mm -hmm. one pass to disrespect me. Get all this bullshit off your chest. I hope you feel better because the next time you do it, I'm coming after you. And so that was the one pass. That's why they could walk away and not swing. And I think you keep them apart. And I even think you might not even see Punk on Raw for a few weeks. You might not see Punk again until maybe January 1 when, when Seth is defending his title against Drew, I believe, that we, we heard. Like, you might not see Punk for the next few weeks. You might just see some video promos to remind you to Punk's back or whatever. Um, I, I think now Punk's back. We know he's back. He's now on Raw. He's declared for the Rumble. There's not mu that much more you can do, you know, unless you want to have him appear on Raw f a time or two. And again, like a Finn Balor or somebody like Judgment Day who runs the place, you know, want to push him around. And and Punk's like, you know what? I, I want to get some of this ring rust off me before I got to beat 29 of the people. And, and so unless you want to build a Raw around Punk's first in-ring singles match back and you do it against somebody like a Finn, somebody that, you know, was a, a first time opponent, uh, but a safe, you know, he's going to take, you know, like maybe they go that route. But I think you keep now Punk and Seth apart. You don't have them mm -hmm. mention each other for, between now and then. You don't have them see each other again 
until they know that they're going to see each other at WrestleMania. And I would uh, suspect that would either mean Punk wins Rumble or Punk then has to go through whatever gauntlet is of, of Elimination Chamber in February to get himself to Mania. But either way, I would leave these two apart until it's time to say, yeah, we're fighting a Mania. Uh, Justin, if, if you were the guy booking, would you have CM Punk have a match before Royal Rumble or would you have the Rumble be his first match? Um, I think... I, I, I'm not opposed, again, because there's so much time, I'm not opposed to having um, him have a singles match on Raw. I, I know there's a lot of luster to the to, to saying, you know, to that being part of the attraction with Rumble, that it's his first time back in a WWE ring, but I feel like there's so much other attractions when it comes to Royal Rumble. You have, 30, you have 29 other guys that are going to be in that match, some of which might be surprises. You're going to have a Roman Reigns match, probably. Um, you assume you're going to have a Seth Rollins match. Like, there's going to be so much else that I feel like, given that they are trying to build these Monday Night Raws up a little bit more, I think that that could be a good Raw thing to build. I mean, to give it a few weeks build. You know, give, give, mm -hmm. a, give us notice, you know, two, three weeks out that Punk's going to have his first match back you know again that might be a really big way to make that january one show or the following week show because actually the following week show the january 7th show that i believe is going to be the show that's going to be up against college football's national championship which is always a tall task for them to compete against because espn and all their channels airs all these different versions of the game mm -hmm. there's the game then there's the version from there's the, the sideline view with pat McAfee. you know so that might be something to, to really try to combat uh you know a, a big piece of competition is is have punk have his first singles match back as a warm-up, as a tune-up. You know, and of course, his opposition's going to say, we're going to make sure you don't even enter Rumble. You know, and that might be, again, motivation for Damian Priest and Judgment Day to to have that angle. So, yeah, I, I would go ahead and try to book him and build a Raw and, and, and try to pop a big number on Raw. Uh, we got a super chat from Bigfoot Sneakerhead saying, I think we have Le a Lex Luger, Bret Hart type of Royal Rumble with Cody and Punk going over the ropes. Um, hmm. Possibly. Yeah, appropriate. Yeah, I mean, that was... Yeah. But only, he, if, only if we can get Vincent Man charging out there uh, afterwards. Yeah, and but uh, earlier you were talking about how deep the the card is at the top level. You know, mm -hmm. look at look at the situation they have going into the Rumble. You can make a case for both CM Punk and Cody Rhodes. And what if they were to eliminate each other, and you have one another top superstar? You know, take advantage of that. It's a deep roster right now, so that is a possibility. But you can still work your way towards having. The Seth versus um, the Seth versus Punk and Cody versus Roman matches, uh, you know, highlighting each night of WrestleMania. Despite the fact that I know the WWE now likes to highlight the women, and th th mm -hmm. that's great. But th those two matches, you know, you can, you can you can even make an argument which one would highlight which night too, depending on how yeah. you build towards it. It's uh yeah they've they've got so many people that if you told me like if if Jack from the future came back and was like this person won the Royal Rumble I would say there's like ten people whose names wouldn't surprise me and I would also say that's what you're telling me from the future you couldn't give me anything better than that come on future Jack uh, couldn't but, give me couldn't give me a stock tip yeah <laughs> good that's that's what you told me you ruined the Royal Rumble for me great uh, uh, but we have a question I want to throw up here real quick for you guys. Um, uh, from pronouns, Paul, pronouns, Paul, uh, pronouns, asks, pal, pronouns, pal, 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 pronouns, pal, uh, asks, no. do you think raw is worth the two hour drive next week? Um, I would say it depends on how many shows you've ever been to and how often they come to your town, but 
I would drive two hours for a rod. I think rod. I think those shows are, are great, especially if you don't get to see them very often. Um, well, they're in yeah. Iowa next week, I believe. Did, did uh, they say Des Moines? Des Moines, Des Moines, Iowa. Is, isn't Seth Rollins from Iowa? Yeah, yes, um, I believe so. Uh, not from Des Moines, Davenport. That's Davenport. it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, and to be honest with the, the, the to answer that question, only you can an answer that if you're if you want to see it that badly, do it. And it's it's sometimes it's worth the trip to see a live television happen. You know, if you haven't been before, especially. Especially if something big happens, like I was there when that happened, even if it's like mm -hmm. a throwaway show, you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, I got to go see the one episode where WCW main evented and it didn't go very well for him, but I, I can say I got to see it live. That was kind of cool. Well, uh, and, you, and, and I wonder, are you getting more bang for your buck? Because next week's Raw is live. The following week's Raw is Christmas and they're giving the talent off. So I'd have to assume they're taping Raw ahead of time or a mm -hmm. best of whatever or the case. Be, yeah. Yeah. So yeah um so let's continue on uh we're a little bit behind schedule so we'll okay. go through some of these uh bronson reed versus ivar another hard-hitting match uh yeah. it, but jimmy the thing that my my only real note here is it ended with a superplex has that ever happened uh, I, uh I, it's been a long time but i was i liked it and i like the fact the you know i talk about the little things mm -hmm. the fact that bronson reed who delivered the superplex off the top rope also mm -hmm. sold into the cover and draped his arm over Ivar. So they both felt the impact. That's what sold it for me even more. So I, I did like the finish. Yeah, Justin, I, I, I was talking to a pal of mine, Slice Boogie, who's a wrestler. And he's like, that's like the best move that is always a big deal, but never wins matches. Why don't people ever win with it? And I, so it's cool. I personally, I popped for it. Cause like, we were just talking about that. that is, yep. It happened. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you're not yeah. going to get, you're not going to get a bigger, everybody stood up as that happened. You're not going to get a bigger moment or bigger reaction. So end it there. Anything yeah. else they would have done after that. I would like, ah, oh, they can't top that. So I, I love it. And, and, and shout out also to the spot they did earlier in the, in the match. When both big guys are each get knocked to the outside of the ring, they're on the opposite side of the ring. They both like see each other, slam their hands on the apron, and then proceed to go and meet each other at halfway point, and then they just both cross body each other. It was just oh. a great like. It was just a. I, mean, I know, you know, I know we get tired and they don't uh, of rematches or anything, but like I, these two have had what three or four matches now, and I'm not tired of it because every time I feel like there's something new in it that's like, oh my god. Yeah, they have great chemistry in fact i was wondering almost at the end like i know ivar's already got a tag team partner they're not really a tag they don't look like a tag team but i was like i, I just want to see them keep interacting that something about these just two big dudes beating each other up is great um we got a couple backstage segments cm punk uh chats with the judgment day and priest implies that he's going to cash in on punk if he does complete his story and then cm punk also sees drew mcintyre who's not super happy about seeing cm punk but Drew McIntyre's got a title shot coming up. Um, Justin, for these, CM Punk, obviously, that's been his thing. It's been kind of like, who is he meeting backstage for the first time or again after a long time? Um, how long do you think we can do these before we start getting tired of them? Now, that said, I loved him today. I'm not I'm not complaining about today. I was just I'm trying to make conversation. <laughs> no, I, no, no. Actually, I think, quite frankly, based upon what I just told you a few minutes ago of how I think... You know, maybe Punk's not on in front and in front of the live audience next week or the next few weeks, or you, you just kind of pace things the right way. You could maybe get a couple of weeks of Raw out of just this, out of for TV. It's just him backstage, getting to know the lay of the land, and just and just teasing different interactions. Just seeing him 
in frame with people that we haven't seen them before. And then, yes, if you do that, and if you do that and the live audience sees that up on the Tron and they don't get punk at all, they're probably going to be salty. So probably dark match, like after the show's off the air, whatever, maybe have punk come out, just cut a promo and address the fans or whatever. Like you probably need to have them do some kind of appearance or live just for the live crowd. I think they're going to feel gypped otherwise, but mm-hmm. that would be a way again to have him on TV, but to, but buy some weeks without having to do too much because he's kind of in a holding pattern until rumble. Uh, yeah. Bernie DC shout out to him saying, good thing they had the interaction with his best friend, Kofi, uh, Jimmy, I was going to say, it really puts into perspective how long CM Punk's been gone when he did the right. Jamaican joke. He's like, Oh, I don't do that anymore. I was like, geez, he's been that long. <laughs> no, see, it's, it's showing that he's not, he can have a lot of fun and it, it, it feels genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want, I, Sometimes I think when I hear him talking in the ring, you know, I'm home. I'm glad to be back home and stuff like that. And you're, you know, of course, it makes you wonder, okay, how genuine is that? But then you see these interactions he has backstage with some of the talent, and and the one line this, uh, that he that he said that even JBL is happy to see me. <laughs> yeah, when he said that in that pro, I mean, like, yeah. it, it's just it's a fun time right now, and it makes you interested in wanting to see what happens next with him. And that's what it's all about. Uh-huh. Yes, boy, with a super chat saying shout out to HBK saying Punk left on his own terms. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, uh, we had a Caden Carter and Katana Chance hype video, and then they had a match against Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae. Tag champs on commentary. Knox and Natalia watching on from the back. Carter and Chance get a pretty quick win here. Um, clearly, Jimmy, it seems like they're the next contenders for the title. It appears to be, and nothing wrong with the match itself. It just felt like the audience wasn't into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that that to me is the only thing that hurt the match was the fact that you weren't getting the reactions, the live reactions, the audio, you know, from the crowd. Uh, there were times where they made a little bit of noise, but it felt like they were waiting for something to happen that didn't happen. Yeah, Justin, I was going to say, I, I, I to Jimmy's point, I feel like these two haven't really been on TV for months, so I don't know why the crowd would be that hot for them, anyways. Um, and then the video package, I, I love the video packages of WWE. This one didn't sit well with me because it was them saying, if you believe in yourself, you'll be where we are. And then it just showed them at the EDM festival. And I was like, is that where people are <laughs> like, it didn't really show them in the match very much. Like that, it, where are you? Tr- I don't know. I feel like it's a weird video for them to come back and then win a match from. Yeah, it's the same thing with them in their tag match last week. The audience still just doesn't know them real well. So it's, 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 you're trying to trying to establish it and get to know them. The one thing I will say is I think it's pretty cool is it's two weeks in a row. They had their match last week. They won and then win this one tonight. Both weeks, their finisher is two different things. Both were aerial moves that were pretty unique, not 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 your run-of-the-mill tag team, double-team moves. They were unique moves, and they've done two different ones. Both have names that Michael Cole was given out. So I think that is kind of cool is that they're trying to establish some of this unique offense that they can do. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to take some time. The crowd still aren't quite sure you know what to what to do yeah they're uh they're great uh, from nxt but just as far as on the main roster route we got to see and get some some more they're getting they're getting going but i think that's why the crowd's not into it yet you gotta figure out but uh another segment i really really loved becky lynch and nia Jax had a a chat um they relived the big moment from five years ago which that was five years ago what is time uh and uh now they want to talk about how they're going to fight now. Becky talks about Nia Jax hurting people and uh, 
then how Becky needs to end the lie that she is who she is because of that moment, because of Nia Jax. Uh, Justin, I'm always very tough on on Becky Lynch. I'm, I'm tough on Nia Jax sometimes too, but I thought both of them were incredible in this, and I love the story they're telling. I, I feel like it's believable, and both of them feel like... I don't, I love this. This is like my favorite from both of them in a long time. Yeah, and, and, and their promo exchange is not going to be the headline of the night because you have to, you have to go on after an earlier promo exchange between CM Punk and Seth Rollins. So I feel for the ladies there, but both of them had, had good jabs at each other, held their own. And you're right. They, you know, they, they call back to the video from five years ago. And, and that was what was like the start of the man moniker and, and Becky very bluntly going through the timeline of, uh, Oh, then you had surgery. Then you then I had a baby. Then you got fired. And <laughs> even her two knees don't want to stand yeah, no. <laughs> with you. I mean, there was just but I mean, but Nia got some back too. Nia, I mean, this uh, I, I, I this promo ended, and I was already excited about seeing them because they noted it, and, and I mentioned it last week on the podcast about how amazingly they've never had a singles match on at least on TV, mm-hmm. and I am really wanting to see this singles match now because it kind of like the same kind of formula with the, the Rollins Punk stuff. I'm like, I feel like there's a little bit of there's a little bit of competition animosity? here we're animosity? gonna yeah we, <laughs> we're gonna go out we're, we're gonna do this we're gonna make it look good but i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah <laughs> i was uh, like i felt bad i was like oh man why did they have to follow punk and Seth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah if it wasn't for punk and seth this would have been the moment of the night for me i think by a good margin and uh jimmy one of the things i think i love about it too is becky lynch is always like in a situation where she's in control or she's sort of I, like I always feel like like she's she's not easily rattled, but she's kind. She made such a good point about a lot of people do say that she's the man because of that moment, and it's because right. of Nia Jax, and so she does is kind of in a she has to win moment, and I think that's so good for her. And then Nia being like, "Oh, you need me." Well, then no, that line, and also she, that she's the woman who made the man. Yes, uh, I mean, like you talk about promo exchanges, it, it was a heck of a promo exchange. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about this as well, too, is this was a situation where you wanted to see them get into it and they didn't have the physical contact, which mm-hmm. makes you want to see it even more and can't wait. And it just goes to show that they show that not every um face-to-face interaction without anybody in between has to end in physicality. They can draw you in with words, and that's what they did. They talked me in, in, into wanting to see these two la- ladies go at it, and, and and especially with Becky, it, it's believable that she could beat someone as tough as Nia Jax. And Nia Jax, you know, you're thinking, boy, she can do a number on her too. So, yeah, this this whenever they have their match, whenever it is, I don't know when it's going to be again. If it's a Raw, if it's a, it's a Rumble, this is a match though. That I would say, I know it's not normal by by WWE policy. We don't do this. If one or both of the ladies would happen to get a little bit of color, it would not be the worst thing, given the story. Let's mm. trace back to this. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that, and I, I feel like either way it would play well. You know, whether it be mm-hmm. uh, Nia Jax, I guess, testing Becky Lynch by beating her again, pretty bad, or. Becky Lynch finally getting that, like, now I'm going to break your nose or at least look like. Yeah, I know that it's a bad look and that they probably don't want the women out there doing any blading or anything like that. But if both ladies behind closed doors kind of come to an agreement of, look, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get that nose trickling as long as they're on the same page. and know that that's the plan because they know that red's going to equal green. 
go do it. Yeah, I love it. And everyone in the chat looks like says the same thing. Max Feldman saying this promo was fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, let's uh, continue on. So great stuff there. Uh, mm-hmm. DIY and Imperium uh, have a little run in and they have a six person tag Imperium versus DI with Miz. Uh, kind of how you'd expect it. Uh, Miz gets the win for his team. Uh, and then later it gets a title shot. But the stipulation, Jimmy, is that mm-hmm. if Miz loses this time, he doesn't get another title shot against Gunther. Right. He can't challenge him for the for, for the Intercontinental Championship as long as Gunther is champion. So that gives that out that when he eventually does lose the championship, if if they look at it, that they can use Miz in that spot, they can. But uh, Miz is getting over huge as a babyface. Of course, tonight being in Cleveland, Mm-hmm. also helped the cause but for those watching at home too yes it was his hometown but hearing all the people cheer for him him uh you know embracing that role as a baby face let's put it that way seems to be working for now until that big moment comes where <laughs> you know it's going to happen sooner or later down the road but uh I- i'm enjoying him in this baby face role it's uh, something a little different from miz that we haven't seen before and, and it's for now fun yeah, and uh, Rocky, I got a shout out, says uh, commentary said DYI. And I'll be honest, when I heard that from Michael Cole, it actually made me realize how good Cole is because you never hear him mess up. So to hear that little mess up, I was like, wow, like he actually does. He's not a machine. He he does make mistakes. And Wade Barrett would not let him live it down. <laughs> no, he dude. hounded him the rest of the night. <laughs> I, I love that, too. Good, good for Wade Bear. But uh, uh, Justin, any any takeaways from this one? No, just that you know, uh, I I thought the Miz when they said, "Oh, we have a partner," and I was like, "Well, it's Cleveland," and Miz just said the thing with Gunther. And and quite frankly, if you if you're doing this rare babyface run right now with Miz, take advantage of the factor in his hometown and that it's you know so. Yeah, yeah let's go with it. Uh, we get to the end here. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Cody Rhodes. Earlier in the night, we had a pretty awesome Shinsuke cartoon. Uh, but once we get to the match, they go about 20 minutes and Nakamura misses Cody and gets DQ'd during a post-match attack. The Creed brothers come out to make the save. Nakamura gets another shot in as Cole tells the story, quote, every time Cody gets to write another chapter of his story, another obstacle gets in his way. Uh, Justin, this was, I felt like this was a weird ending to me. Like not Shinsuke necessarily, getting a DQ, but like, I don't know why the Creed brothers came out and it didn't, it didn't feel like the show closer. I don't know. Like what happened necessarily wasn't bad. It just, it felt like a weird way to end the show. Yeah, it did. Normally, normally they end with some kind of surprise or cliffhanger or something. All right. So first off, I I thought Nakamura and I thought this prior, I thought this prior to today and I I tweeted it this evening. I think Nakamura should have got a W. They, you could have done a spot where he hits the mist and that's, I don't know. They could have found a way to get Nakamura away. In this. I, I don't. I don't agree with like. I, you know, he gets DQ'd because of the miss, and the ref can clearly see that Cody's covered in the mist, and so it's a DQ. But then Nakamura still stands tall by you know beating on him. I'm like, but Nakamura has not got any important wins. He has lost every. You know, he was challenging Seth several months ago when they were here in Pittsburgh for the pay per view. Uh, they he like get him a W because this could be the first of, of a couple matches these two have again because we have time until Rumble. So I thought it was a missed opportunity. I thought Shinsuke should have got a W. I thought I thought they're firing on really good cylinders with his presentation, with his promos, and 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 I don't mind them adding the mist in there, but he's got to get a W at some point, you know. So I thought that was, 
I thought that should have been as my Monday night quarterbacking is going to happen. I thought that should have been altered. And then, yeah, the Creed brothers. I know, again, we're trying to give them the rub of hang, let them hang around Cody. You know, they're, they're our new babyface tag team. They might be our new babyface tag champ sooner or later. But they looked they they looked a little ridiculous, actually. They come running out there and like they're trying to be there to be side with Cody and like Cody's being helped and medical attention. And then Shinsuke comes back and beats Cody's ass a little bit more and they didn't do anything. They right they, like they didn't even get a hand on him or nothing. It's like there's two of you out there. Like how so I didn't think that they looked any you know, they don't think they looked any heroic, any more heroic or anything like that. So yeah, I was not a fan of match was fine, the, the Volca match, but the finish mm-hmm. and the aftermath, I did not like this. Yeah, I, I just I think I echo everything you just said. Uh Jimmy, yeah, especially like the Creed brothers not really helping against one guy when they just won basically a two on four situation earlier in the night. Exactly uh, what I was uh, thinking. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like Shinsuke, I guess I'm just echoing everything Justin just said. Like the guy needs to get some serious wins. I mean, beating Otis is cool, but that doesn't make me fear you when you're facing someone like Cody, who's face of the company size star. Right. And, and, and there's, so, you know, it's it's all about how he wins, too. And he, he's in this. I love the role that, that Shinsuke's in right now in this heel persona that he's in. Uh, but it, they're making it, it. It almost feels like they're making it more about the mist than mm-hmm. they are about Shinsuke. And yes, I get that the, the mist is part of that persona, but it doesn't have to be the only way for him to to do something. Uh, you know, like you talk about you know, the brain thinking, what could they have done differently? How could they have gotten by it? You know, we saw in the other match, there was the um, uh, the ref distraction with the turnbuckle <laughs> sort of thing. It's almost like, uh, why not have Shinsuke go for the mist and have, you know, Cody duck it and the referee be there, but he ducks and turns away from it as well. And as he turns away, there's your low blow, Justin. And it's yeah. like, you can't DQ him because he didn't get him with it. Yes, he attempted to. That's like swinging a chair and missing and DQing him anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, there's there's ways around it. They could have taken advantage of it. And again, afterwards with the Creed brothers, that didn't make sense. So uh, a, a good match, don't get me wrong. I thought those guys really put it out there. But it's what the people see last is what they remember most. And that didn't sit well with me. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so that, that does it for us. We covered the whole show. Uh, everyone in the chat, let me know your overall thoughts of the show and let me know what your favorite segment was while we go around the horn here. Uh, Justin, overall thoughts of the show and uh, where can the world find you online? Overall, it was a pretty good show. I mean, again, the, the two really good uh, personal feeling promos and, and we got some other stories. Again, it looks like we're finally on the path to Judgment Day having a major uh, implosion and, and, and you know, it's, it's an exciting time. Um, yeah, find me at Justin Labar on social media across uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm here on Monday nights. I will not be here on Wednesday night this week. So here on Monday nights, always with you guys. And uh, Friday mornings, I'm on Busted Open Spar with Labar with myself, David Greco, and Thunder Rose. And then every Sunday, Busted Open 24-7 now, seven days a week, every single Sunday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time, myself and Jonathan Hood bringing you Busted Open on Sunday, which is awesome because obviously there's so much that goes on now on Saturdays between premium live events and AEW shows and then even the fallout from – it's kind of like the fallout from the entire week. We kind of get to digest the entire week at that point mm-hmm. and give it to you all on Sunday. So uh, really looking forward to doing that. I mean, the first three shows have been 
uh, a lot of fun. It's been met with a lot of great response. So you can listen live on channel 156. You can listen whenever you want on demand via the app. There's also a condensed version of the podcast, which gets you about, you know, 45 minutes of a three hour show. So if, if you're a podcast person, you can go that route. Awesome. And Jimmy, how about you? Final thoughts and uh, where can we find you? Like you guys, I enjoyed the show for the most part. There were little things, of course, I could nitpick about. And and one of the things I can nitpick about, uh, this week I'm not going to do uh, my I'm doing my riff and rants, as you know, on all my social media platforms mm-hmm. uh, from Monday to Friday. It's only a minute long. This week I'm trying to keep every uh, one positive because it is the holiday season. It's Christmas time coming up and in the new year. And just trying to stay positive for a little while and pick something that I like. So, <laughs> so if you're looking for me to go this this week, ain't happening and also you can catch me here on mondays and wednesday nights and uh on the roughing it up podcast with my good brother and stripes brian hebner and rj who holds the glue together every week uh we have fun talking to whoever it may be we uh actually spoke to elijah burke which is kind of cool oh very cool yeah. uh yeah that'll be a good one everyone has to check that one out and check out justin the bar's uh new show just taking over uh, you two and i'm hanging out here in the middle uh but uh you can follow me at real jack farmer across all social media i might start doing threads more i don't know that seems to be where some people are are doing their social media stuff uh and to tie tie things up by the way i'm looking at the chat here and everyone's saying their favorite spots were the rollins punk promos and whatnot and going mm-hmm. back to the beginning we talked about it's the stories right and so very interesting to see that there. But you can find me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media. Uh, make sure to follow at Wrestling Inc. for all the wrestling news you could ever need. And also make sure to check out the NXT after show right after NXT tomorrow right here on Wrestling Inc.